All right, so uh, if you have any questions that you want answered or you would like to try to, to do a study on or there's ever been a, a Bible question you want answered, just put those questions in the back of that box. Now, the way I'm doing it is when you put that, I'm taking those questions and I took some of them home and I put them in another box at home and then I shake that box up as hard as I can. Then I make my wife turn her head and I make my wife pick the, pick the question out of there. So you say, well, I asked a question a long time ago and you hadn't gotten to it. It's because I hadn't pulled it out. But I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get, get to every one of them. So I just happened, the last one I pulled out, I pulled out was on a, was a question. And every one of your questions have been excellent. I cannot go on enough about how good the questions have been. And I appreciate y'all asking really good questions. And it's been, it's been fun to study it together. So we're going to start a new one this evening. And this question was asked about, what's the difference between the blood of mankind and the blood of Jesus Christ? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> You're falling right into my hands when you do that because I love, love, love talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're going we're gonna to get into this. So um, we're going to start, though, at Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation 5, verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Okay, so the song says, how are we redeemed to God? By what? Not just by the death, not by the life, not by his healing powers, not by his teachings. Not, it's by the blood, the blood, it's the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nations. My friends, the most important thing about Jesus Christ is His blood. This study is going to show you why it's so important, what made it important, but we're also going to study the history of the blood. So I hope that every one of y'all got this little handout. I want to give credit where credit's due, because if you see how nice this is topped up and everything, Wade did this for me, probably 12 years ago. <laughs> Wade did this for me. And he, he typed it all up for me on, on a study I had and did a really good job. So if you see some places that's misspelled and messed up, that's why I went in there and messed with it and, and got it all messed up. But before we go, let's go to this study. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just can't thank you enough for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will lead God and direct us this evening, Lord God, into truth. Father, we, need to, we want to learn from you, Lord. Help us to follow this trail, Lord God, of blood and help us to, uh, to recognize what you're doing with it and, and what, it, what, it, what powers it has, what, what the working of it is, Lord. And that, Father, we can see your view of it, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you'll open your book to us tonight that we might understand these things. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So we're starting at the first. So what you need to understand, there's a trail of blood from Genesis to Revelation in your Bible. This blood, this book is a bloody book. There's no way around it. I, I've read uh, stories of, I think it was Dwight O. Moody was preaching to a lady, and of course he was preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ, and she came up to him after the service and said, you've got a bloody religion. And he said, I cannot deny it. Because everything, everything I have is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, guys, I'm here to tell you, there was a preacher that had a dream, and he had a dream about uh, the devil chasing him, and the devil chasing him, and he was running from the devil, and he's running from the devil, and he ran into the church, and the devil followed him right into the church. 
So he ran and he got behind the pulpit. And the devil came and ran down. He got right beside him behind the pulpit. So he ran and jumped in the baptistry. The devil got into the baptistry. He said, but then he ran and jumped under the blood of Jesus Christ. And the devil couldn't follow him. Amen. Amen. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to study in this. It's a history of the blood. Your, your religion, what we call a religion as Christianity, your faith, Christianity for 2,000 years has been nothing but a trail of blood. It's martyrs. It starts with Stephen being stoned to death and his blood being on Paul's hands as Paul held the colts as they stoned Stephen to death up to where Paul had his head cut off and his blood was gushing out of his body. And it went from there all the way up to our Christian brothers and sisters being fed to lions, being crucified, being used to, to, as torches to light the roads, the way they killed and massacred the Christians for a thousand years. That kind of stuff is going on to this very day. And it's coming to America. If we're not careful, we've got to fight for our freedoms. We've got to fight for our religious freedoms. We've got to fight for liberty. We've got to take this stuff seriously. Because if we lose just one step, they're going to take it and not give it back. And we've gave them step after step. We backed up on marriage. So, well, maybe, you know, if you want to get married, it don't matter if you're a man or a woman. And now they've took that and they, they are crushing you with it. And, when, and, 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 and I remember like it, the day was yesterday that when that marriage, of the, the LBGQ marriage passed and they were like, oh, it's okay for them to get married. The first thing I read and the first warning was now they can, they can attack the churches that don't allow that. And if you're a preacher that doesn't do that, they can come after you for their civil liberties. And it's happening in America. We've got to fight about that. We've got to fight. This... this Stance with Jesus Christ is going to cost you some blood. In America, we've been sport rotten. Our brothers and sisters over in China, Iran, well, Russia, Ukraine, you name wherever you might think of, in Africa, Ethiopia, they're, they're paying their life and they're shedding their blood for this faith. That we can't get nobody to come in this church. That's why when you, get, you talk to these missionaries, you read these missionary letters, they'll open up churches and people are walking 25, 30 minutes. They're walking 30 miles to get to church. We have people that won't come down two blocks, you know, to the church in America. And they don't care, they don't understand. But when it gets serious and that we are start, you start shedding your own blood for this, maybe you'll, we'll, we'll get more real about it. I don't know. But let's go back to... Uh, Genesis chapter 3. Let's start this study on the history of the blood. So we're going to start it in Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And I've got these verses on that. I've got most of these verses printed out on the sheet. But I encourage you, to, if you can follow along in your Bible, it'll be a lot better. Because you can read it out of your own Bible of what's going on. So what we're going to do is we're going to follow this trail of blood. And it's going to start in Genesis, guys. And by the time we end in this study, it's going to end in Revelation. And I'm telling you, if you'll stick with me, when we get to the blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to feel the Holy Spirit move. And if you don't know some of the stuff that we're going to learn about the, the blood of Jesus Christ, it's going to light you up. It's going to put you on fire. You're going to be on fire for the Lord. And you're going to, you're going to be more grounded. You're going to have a, a firmer foundation because you're going to say, I know I'm saved because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you're going to find out something about this blood. And we're going to find some little things out how this blood, what this blood's been doing all through the history of mankind and how God views it. So Genesis chapter 3, what you had going on here, Adam and Eve. 
have sinned. They have eaten of the fruit. They have failed. They realize that they're naked. They've lost their glory. They look at it, they, they're naked, so they take figs. They try to take fig leaves, and they, they sow fig leaves to try to cover up their nakedness. It's interesting to know that the only tree that Jesus Christ cursed was a fig tree. Self-righteousness. You try to cover yourself up with self-righteousness. So you get down to verse 21, and it says here in chapter 3, Unto Adam also and his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. So the Lord God, it says the Lord God there made coats of skin. How are you going to get coats of skin? You're going to have to slaughter something. Something has to die. And guys, it doesn't say it right there in verse 21, but I bet you everything I have on this earth that that was a lamb. And we'll get up to heaven and we'll ask the Lord Jesus Christ, was that a lamb that you killed to cover? And I guarantee I'll win that bet. And maybe the Lord will turn around and say, what are you doing betting? I'll, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I just, it wasn't nothing serious. It's nothing, Lord. Everything I had on earth. Everything I had on earth, Lord, you know that means nothing. <laughs> it's worthless. It's all burned up. It's gone. The truth is, I, in my heart of hearts, that's got to be a lamb. It's always a lamb. And I'm going to tell you, at the end of Revelation, you know what you're going to find out? It's the blood of a lamb. It's the blood of a lamb. So you're seeing there that this, the, the blood must be shed to cover your sins. Verse 21. Blood must be shed to cover your sins. You sin, now something must die to cover your sins and your shame. And we know as Christians that is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now let's look at the first mention of blood in the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 4. The next chapter, Genesis chapter 4 verse 8. Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. We're looking at the first mention. So you know when you study anything in the Bible, if, you, if it's a word, you, try to, you find the first mention of that word, and that helps you define the word, what it's going to be used for through the rest of the Bible. So you see the first mention is found in Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? But yeah, that's pretty much how most people feel about things. Verse 10, and he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. You see the first mention of the blood, you hear that, you see that first mention of the blood, and it's, it, the blood is associated with murder, associated with death, it's associated with being able to talk to God. So the first time you see blood mentioned, that blood is doing what? It's crying out to God. So that blood that runs through your veins, listen to me, that blood that runs through your veins, it can talk to God. What does that mean, Pastor? You just meditate on that. Because I've been meditating on that. Since I found this truth of the Bible, I've been meditating on that for years and years and years. I will tell you this. It's amazing what, the more that science studies blood, the more they, they start finding out stuff like, hey, you know, in your blood there's some DNA there, and they start finding this stuff out, and they're finding out more and more, and they wouldn't be surprised to me if they found out and say, man, we get down there, and we can actually hear your blood is doing, it's making a noise. It's, yeah, what it's doing is it's crying out to God. That's what God says. The, thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. God hears the blood. Look at Genesis chapter 9. So when, when uh, let's move on. Genesis chapter 9. So we'll find out here, Genesis chapter 9, verse 4, Noah. Noah comes off the ark. He's coming off the ark. The Lord is talking to Noah. And he says something about the blood. 
And he says in verse 4, well, he says in verse 3, get the context. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as a green herb have I given you all things. So when he comes off the ark, God says, okay, you can kill some, you can kill a sheep and eat it, you can kill a cow and eat it, you can kill it, whatever's moving, you can kill it, but, verse 4, but flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. So you're, you see there in Genesis chapter 9, blood is mentioned is before this, but now you're hearing God tell them, that blood, you don't eat it and you don't drink it. You don't digest that. Blood is forbidden. Now what's interesting about this is, and I'm about to show you, blood is, the, is about the only thing you can find forbidden in the before the law, during the law, and after the law. It's pretty crazy. Turn to Leviticus chapter, we've got it here, Leviticus chapter 17. If you're following along with me, Leviticus 17, the blood, the blood. We're talking about the history, the history of the blood. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14. Leviticus 17, verse 14. And he says here, For it is the life of all flesh, the blood of it is for the life thereof. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not eat the blood of no, man, of no manner of flesh, for the life of all flesh is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. So under the law, you weren't allowed to drink it, you weren't allowed to eat it. Now, what you find out, pagans do, uh, even you get into Satanists and everything, they drink blood. Sometimes they'll drink each other's blood, sometimes they'll drink the blood of an animal that they've sacrificed. This is going on today, guys, this very day. There's religions and there's cults and there's pagans that do this. Witches, Wiccan, they do this. They think, why? Because they think there's power there. They will kill that animal or kill that and take that blood and drink it and think they're gaining that, that life force, that, that, that power from that blood. That's what they believe. They believe that. Uh, when I was into the occult, uh, I read this stuff all the time. Where they said, you know, if you can take a young virgin and kill a young virgin to drink her blood, you're going to get her power, their vitality, all the youth, you'll get all that. And that's what they taught. Now, you're not going to find this, I guess you could Google it up, but you know, find this on the news. You're not going to find them talking about this on, on CNN or Fox News or anything. But this is stuff that's going on. People practice this. And God forbid it. That's why God's forbidden. Don't do it. You don't drink that blood. That's where the life is. And you'll find this in Acts chapter 15. Under grace, it's in Acts 15. If you don't want to turn there, I'll turn and read it for you. But this is one of the few things that's forbidden in Acts 15 under grace. What I mean by under grace is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when the disciples in Acts 15, they're figuring this stuff out. By Acts 15, they're figuring out we're saved by grace in Jesus Christ and nothing else. That's how we're saved, by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. It's verse 11. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So that's where they get it all figured out. They're getting it all figured out in Acts 15. You don't have to do anything to get saved. You don't have to do, you don't have to do anything to stay saved. It's all by grace. So they give some commandments, and when they give those commandments in Acts chapter 15, they give the commandments to the disciples, to the Christians, they were asking these questions, so they say, write back to them, verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. There it is right there in verse 20. So they're, they're told to stay away from the blood. 
And, it's, it, it, and later on, they're, they're told the same thing there in verse 29. That you abstain from meats offered to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and, th and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So there it is. The commandment that God gave to uh, Noah, to Moses under the law, Israel under the law, and he gives it to us. Don't eat the blood. Don't eat the blood. Because if you look at that verse 29, if you look above that, it says the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's writing that to him. That's just not Paul and Barnabas and Peter and John. That's not just them right, thinking this up. They're saying the Holy Spirit is leading us to tell you this. Don't drink the blood. Stay away from fornication. That's the best two things you can do. Those, that right there. Okay, so let's move on. Look at Exodus chapter 7. You've got some interesting stuff to find out about blood. Exodus chapter 7. So we're seeing how uh, God's thinking about blood. God, there's something special about that blood. He says the life, is in the, the life is in the blood. What's interesting about that, now we're living in 2022, we all know that, right? We know that most diseases are, call, are, blood, are called by blood disorders. We know that if your blood gets messed up, you're in trouble. Me and Sister Adams are dealing with this on a daily basis with our diabetes. We know it. We understand this, that whatever's going on with our blood will either hurt us or could harm us or kill us. And we have to monitor it. We've got to be real careful about it. We've got to make sure we're doing the right things to keep, uh, to keep that blood where it's supposed to be. Look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 17. Exodus 7, verse 17. Good evening. Exodus chapter 7, verse 17. Now this is real famous where Moses turns the water into blood. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon the streams, upon their rivers, upon their ponds, upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. There's where God turns water into blood. Now, this is kind of a type of Jesus Christ when he takes in the, in, the, in the... Remember when his first miracle? What was Jesus Christ's first miracle? He went to the wedding feast of Cana, and what did, they, what did he do? He turned the water into wine, right? So this is the first miracle Moses is doing here. He's turning the water into blood. What you've what you got here in top is you've got Jesus Christ turning the water into wine, so you've got that grape juice associated with blood. So grape juice is associated with blood. So you got that at the end of Revelation. We just studied this, remember, about the reaping, where they took the grapes and he squeezed out those, the wine press of the wrath of God, and he's squeezing out that, and it says that blood came out of that wine press, blood, the pure blood of the grape. You'll hear that, that phrase in the Bible. It's all associated. So from this knowledge, and what was the only forbidden tree in the Bible? The only forbidden tree in the Bible is the vine tree. People forget that God calls the vine a vine tree. The only forbidden fruit was a Nazarite. He's not supposed to eat of the vine. Samson was a Nazarite. He's a Nazarite. You don't cut your hair. You don't eat the vine. You don't eat the grapes. You don't drink the grapes. You don't drink wine. You don't eat raisins. You don't have anything. That you, it's forbidden to you. That's the only tree you'll find forbidden in the Bible. Knowing all that, knowing that grapes are associated with water, I mean with blood, and water, and there, see the association there? So that leads, like Dr. Ruckman to teach, and it leads me to believe that the fruit that Eve took was a grape. 
Because the Bible don't say what it was. The Bible don't say it was an apple. Don't say the, 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 the tradition, Jewish tradition was might have been a pomegranate. But I believe, like Dr. Ruttman, that it probably was a grape. So that grape is red, right? So she eats that grape. If she has pure water uh, for blood, it turns that water into blood, and now it's, it's polluted. That's what you've got going on there. So you wonder why, why do the ladies wear red lipstick? Bright red lipstick. It goes back to eating that grape and biting that grape, and it's staining the lips red. There's a lot of stuff in there that the devil's behind and, and stuff like that. It's just something to think about, brothers and sisters. It's not nothing I'm, I'm pushing down that that's exactly how it happened, but I'm telling you, when you're doing this study, you start meditating on this stuff, and you say, man, okay, now I see how this could be why this is. So God turns the water into blood. Let me tell you something. To me, there's nothing more nasty than blood. I don't like to be around blood. I don't like to see blood. I don't like to walk up on a crash or something and just see a lot of blood. It, it's disgusting to me. Why is it, Brother King? I don't know. It just is. Very disgusting to me. One of the most disgust, disgusting things that happened to me recently is we have these two, and Matthew knows what I'm talking about. At, 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 at City Hall, we have these two stairwells. You go down these stairs so you don't have to use the elevator, and like the stairs go down, and they turn, and go down like that. Well, everybody in my department are old men. So when, with old men, what do you get? Well, you just go like this, and you're going to bleed. Right? Your skin is thin. So they call us up there. We want you guys to move this furniture. And we want you to move it downstairs. So we, we get this furniture up there, and we're all these old men trying to run it. Well, we're rubbing against that wall. Well, one of us, or maybe more than one of us, scrapes his arm, breaks his arm open. He's bleeding everywhere. So we get it all down. We get this furniture moved down there. So I have to go back upstairs to make sure that's all we're supposed to move. I open up the stairwell and look up there, and it looked like it was a crime scene. I'm like, what happened here? And I was like, for a second or two, I was stunned because I'm looking at this blood just smeared everywhere on these white walls. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. We, we just, I mean, I had to clean this up. It was nasty. Can you imagine that God says, okay, every water that you see is going to turn to blood. I mean, to me, that God, that's God. I mean, God knows how to punish me. That would judge me. I mean, I don't want to know. That's what God does right here. Look at Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12, verse, uh, well, yeah, verse 13. Now, I, I'm going to go, you can read this, go home and read all this. But uh, uh, look at verse 6. So this is the Passover lamb. And God's giving instruction to Moses saying, okay, you're going to take this lamb. You put the, you, you're going to take this lamb. If you get behind that door, you kill this lamb, you get behind that door, I'll see that lamb and I'll know that you've, judgment's already been there. What I'm forgetting to tell you is God doesn't say he's looking for the lamb. God didn't say, I'm looking for that little cross that you put up on the doorpost. I'm looking for that little star of David that you carve up there. I'm looking for that Jehovah or Jehovah or Yahweh or whatever new name they're trying to think of for God or Elohim. When y'all see that's carved on top of your door, then I know not to go in there and not to judge you and your, your firstborn will live. That's not what God said. God said, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over. But you've got to have the blood and it's got to be the blood of a lamb. Verse 6, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. You got this little lamb, you keep it for 14 days. Well, you, you imagine what's going on here, right? 
You got your kids, you got your grandkids, they're all there, and you bring in this precious little lamb, and like, let's name it Dolly. And they got Dolly, they got Dolly named, and they're petting Dolly, and they're loving on Dolly, and they're feeding Dolly, and Dolly's becoming part of the family. And about the 14th day, you go out there and say, okay, everybody gather together. God told us to all gather together. What you gonna do, Daddy? I'm about to slit its throat. Say, well, that little kid's gonna cry, yeah. But this, that's why Christ is our Passover. That little lamb is innocent. And you know there were some tears shed when those little kids saw that, their little lamb getting killed. Don't you know there's some tears shed up in heaven when they seen Jesus Christ being slaughtered on a cross and bleeding out? It's the blood. But God says it's got to be the blood. And you should kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Skip down to verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. you got to have the blood. And in this story, and go home and read it and study it. It's a beautiful story, but here's the truth of that story. All you had to do was get in the door with the blood. I was a murderer. One time or another, I was a molester. One time or another, I was a thief. It don't matter to God. You get under the blood, and He's going to pass over you. You don't know what sins I committed. Just get in the door that has the blood. That's why Jesus Christ says they go in some other door, and they're thieves and robbers. I am the door. Why is He the door? Because He's the door that's covered in the blood. Amen? That's why when you pull up at this church, you pull up in the parking lot, what you're going to see, the first thing you're going to see is a big, bright red door. And the reason why I wanted that door painted bright red like that, and I asked Gary to keep, just keep painting it like that, brother. And the reason why I had him do that is because when, I, when you pull up in this parking lot, I want you to think of the blood. Because it's about the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you don't get in that door, and you don't get in that lamb, and you don't get that blood on you, God's not going to pass over you. You've got to have the blood for it to be a token. And I can't stress that enough, bro. There's nothing else that God will accept but the blood of Jesus Christ for you. Nothing. And just like in this story, I'm telling you, it wasn't a carving, there wasn't a gold piece, there wasn't silver, there was, you couldn't put your bank account up there, there was nothing you could put up there to impress God but the blood of a lamb. That's why when you get to Peter, he says, Christ our Passover, the precious blood. That's why he uses those words. Every Jew knew what he was talking about. We're Gentiles. We're dumb. We've got to read this in Exodus to figure out what he's talking about. But praise God, the Christians shed their blood so you could read it. Amen. Brothers and sisters died and shed their blood so you can have this book in your lap and read it every morning and evening and noon whenever you decide to do it. Praise God. Praise God for that. Look at Exodus chapter 24. Exodus 24. Well, I'm telling you what, this stuff gets me stirred up because it's, it's good. It's the blood. You know what's missing today? The blood. It's missing in the preaching. And I'm here to tell you, the blood is, mentioned, is missing in the singing. You, you ever turn on these new uh, fandangled Christian songs and you're listening to them and you're like, well, it's okay. I mean, but there just seems like, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit's just kind of saying, mm, uh, what's missing is the blood. Listen. Say, 
Did they ever sing about the blood? See that book over there, the hymn book? It's full of songs about the blood. Matthew picked up a song this, morning, this evening, and what did we sing about? We're redeemed. We're redeemed. How we're redeemed? By the blood of the Lamb. It's about the blood. It's about nothing else but the blood. If you got one thing, you might not understand anything about Christianity. You might not understand about what baptism means, about what the Holy Spirit means, but brothers and sisters, you've got to understand it's about the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. Get the blood and you'll understand everything else. Exodus 24, verse 3. Exodus 24, verse 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord hath said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up, rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant. See what you got right here in your lap? And he read in the audience of the people, and they said, All that the Lord had said will we do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. That blood right there is used as a covenant between you and Moses, between you and God and Moses, where he says, if you accept this, and they say, I do, do you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I do, and God says, I'm taking the blood, and I'm sprinkling it on you. It's a covenant, and I'm sprinkling it on you, because you believe my words, and you want, you want more of my words. It's about the blood, and it's a covenant God makes between me and you. The only reason God doesn't send me to hell it's because I've got that blood on me. And he's made a covenant. He said, if you'll get my son's blood on you, if you'll get that, go to the door that has the blood on it and get behind that door, I promise you I will pass over you. And judgment won't reach you. So I get under the blood of Jesus Christ. So when I, I pray or do anything to God the Father, I'm praying and pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. Not just the life of Jesus Christ. Not just the teachings of Jesus Christ. Guys, that won't get you very far. What's wrong with some of the denominations and some of Christianity today is they forget the blood. They focus on the teachings. They focus on the life. And that's all good. Praise the Lord. But you got, it, it means nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. And we'll get into this a little deeper, but you remember when they were following Jesus, and he was feeding them, and man, he had them by the thousands and the thousands. And what did Jesus Christ finally get sick of? He finally want, he got sick of it. And he turned around, and he said, the only reason you're following me is because you want to be fed. We love you, Lord. We love you. And what did Jesus Christ say? Eat my flesh and drink my blood. How are we going to do that? I don't, I, I don't understand that. He did that on purpose. Run them off. To run them off. It all goes back to the blood. It's always about the blood. Exodus 29. Look at this one. Exodus chapter 29. Guys, we're getting close to closing. Exodus 29. And something interesting if you ever, I don't know if you've ever read this in your Bible. It's really interesting to me. Uh, Exodus 29 verse 20. We're going to find out that God used the blood to hollow Aaron. 
In other words, to make Aaron holy, to separate Aaron, to show that Aaron is holy, he's going to put blood on him. He tells Moses, I want Aaron to be a holy priest. Well, how do I do that, God? Moses, take the blood, and I want you to do this with it. And you're about to read it. Look at verse 20. This is how Aaron is made holy. Then shalt thou kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of his right hand, and upon the great toe of, his, of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar, and of the anointing oil, and sprinkle it upon Aaron, upon his garments, upon his sons, upon the garments of his sons, with him, and he shall be hallowed, holy, and his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments with him. How am I holy? I'm not holy. What makes me holy is God takes the blood of Jesus Christ and puts it on me. Puts it on my right ear for what I hear. Puts it on my right thumbs for things I shouldn't touch. Puts it on my right toe for places I shouldn't go. So I'm holy wherever I'm at. If I make a mistake and leave this church and go out to one of the biggest hell holes you could think of, I'm not going to name them, because they might sue us. But you go out to one of these biggest hell holes you can think of, and I walk in there and hang out in there, you know what? I'm still holy in God's eyes. But I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm going to have to answer for that. But in God's eyes, He's put the blood on me. I'm holy. And I'm hallowed by that blood. But it's only because of the blood, right? You see how God is showing us Genesis and Exodus. You're seeing this focus on the blood, the blood, the blood. The blood. It's all through here. Look at Exodus 32. I'll show you something really weird. Exodus 32, verse 15. Exodus 32, verse 15. Exodus 32, verse 15. And for time's sake, look at verse 19. Because this is the story of Aaron. He makes the, he makes the golden calf. And they're all dancing around it, naked around it. Moses and, and Joshua come down. They see this going on. Jo Moses takes the tablets, throws them down, busts them. But this is what he do does here in verse 19. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. And Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hands, break them beneath the mount. And he took, look at verse 20, guys. And he took the calf, which they had made, and burned it in the fire, ground it to powder, strawed it upon the water, and made the children of Israel drink of it. That's weird. And it bothered me. Why did it bother you? Because I didn't understand it. Like, okay, he's taking this golden calf, he beats it, he beats it down, he makes it thin, and then he grinds it up into powder, and then he throws it up on this water, and he goes, okay, y'all all drink this now. Why would he do that? Well, in my studies, I found out what, what happens. And what you find out, and this is according to the chemistry of the blood, M.R. Dehan. If you find this book, buy it. You'll love it. Chemistry of the Blood by M.R. Dehan, Dr. M.R. Dehan. Dehan, the chemistry of the blood. What you'll find out on page 54 is that when you take gold, of course, none of us in here could ever do something like this. You take gold and you put, you put it in the fine powder and you sprinkle it in water, that water turns red. Like blood. And then he says, okay, y'all drink it. Why is Moses making them do that? Jesus, Jesus Christ said, this blood is a New Testament for you. Drink. And what was that? What was, when he said that blood, what was in that cup? Grape juice. It's all associated together. 
Let's look at let's look at a couple more. We got a couple more to finish off. Look at uh, Leviticus 17. Leviticus 17. Leviticus. We're, so you can see we're going trying to. I'm trying to stay chronological through the Bible. Leviticus 17. So when they get they start getting all the laws, God's giving them the laws, the Le- Levitical laws. Leviticus chapter 17. Look at verse 11. Leviticus 17:11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So blood in God's eyes makes atonement for your soul. What does atonement mean? Break that word down. It means atonement, at one So right now, if you have sin in your heart, if you have sin, and you've never received Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, if you haven't, you have sinned. You're at two meant with God. You and God are at two. So you need some blood to make y'all at one, to make you at one meant. And God says right there, the blood at the end, for it is the blood that making an atonement for the soul. Then he goes on to say, verse 12, no soul of you shall eat blood. Why? Because it's making atonement for your soul. There's something special about that blood. And when you can take that blood and you can sacrifice that blood, that blood is going to make an atonement between you and God. Make your heart one He's getting them prepared. What's God getting them prepared for? He's getting them prepared for a special lamb. They've been, they go for hundreds of years, yea, a thousand years, and they're sacrificing for this one, this, this lamb, and they're doing all the sacrifice, and it's getting ready for one Final lamb to show up. And when that lamb shows up, John the Baptist recognizes him. And he says, and all the Jews are standing around, and John the Baptist had a following, he had disciples, they're all standing around, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes us away the sins of the world. Mm. Those, every one of those Jews knew exactly what he meant. They all turned to say, He's going to be the Passover lamb. He's going to take away the sins of the world. That's what the, that's what the blood does of a lamb. That's what it does. So this word blood in Leviticus is mentioned 88 times. Ezekiel is mentioned 53 times, the blood. It's a bloody book, guys. You've got a bloody book. I'm going to show you a few more things before we close. Look at Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. So we're going to skip ahead because I want to show you some stuff out of the Old Testament before we move on to part 2. Ezekiel chapter 9, Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 9. You'll find out what's going on, why America's doomed. Boy, you know America's just doomed right now. I love this country. I, I mean, I love what this country at one time stood for. I love the freedom we have in this country, but guys, this country is shot. It's doomed. And I'm going to tell you why right here. Then he said unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. For they say... The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. He said, the land is full of blood. Is this land full of blood, Brother Keegan? I think it is. It's full of little aborted children. By the thousands? (laughs) I wish. By the millions. And what did we just read in Genesis chapter 4? Y'all remember? That blood... Your brother's blood crieth out to me. So you got a million children that have been murdered in the womb, and their blood is where? Crying out to God. And what does that blood cry out? I'm going to show you in Revelation. It cries out, when are you going to avenge me? 
Yeah, God bless America. <laughs> For what? We're doomed, guys. This land is full of too much blood. And the only way you can get rid of that blood is by shedding other blood. Look at Psalms 106, 38. Psalms 106, 38. Psalms 106, verse 38. This is what they were doing. Look at verse 37. Talking about this, uh, these false worshipers. Look at verse 37. Psalms 106, verse 37. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils. So, well, we're, you say, well, that's, that's unthinkable. They're wicked. People are sacrificing their sons and daughters to their career right now. <laughs> They're sacrificing their sons and daughters to inconvenience. Every day in this country, in this county. Somewhere. They're sacrificing it for a lot, more, lot less than an idol. I'd almost understand if they believed their God wanted them to do that. No, they just do it because it's inconvenient. Or, hey, I'm going to kill my unborn child because I want to have a better career. I've heard one of those celebrities talk about how many abortions she's had, and she was bragging about it because she says, because I've had a better career because of it. It's helped my acting career. And I've had, like, so many different abortions. She was bragging about it. She needs the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a wicked idea. Guys, I was born to an unwed mother. Unwed mother at 18. If there was anybody who was a candidate for abortion, it was me. To a guy she was never going to have anything to do with. And never did after I never would have anything to do with. Until he died and she died. Never had anything to do with him. She should have aborted me in a lot of people's eyes. And I'm pretty sure they told her that's probably what she should have do. Thank God. Amen. I wish we had a cure for COVID. I wish we had a cure for cancer. I wish we had this. I wish we had that. God sent in a hundred times and we aborted them. How many doctors that could have cured cancer are laying in a grave somewhere aborted? Have you ever thought about that? What kind of, what kind of blessings God has tried to send our way through humanity, and we aborted them. If you think I've been a blessing to you in any way, you would have thanked my mom that she didn't abort me. Because she could have. And nobody, y'all would have never known about me. And maybe this church would have fell apart. Maybe there wouldn't be anybody out here. I don't know. You wouldn't have known me. Now, there's, <laughs> there's some people to be like, praise God, I didn't want to know him anyway. But the point is, is God can use us. He can use a broken old down life like mine. Think about what you can do with somebody who's smart, really smart, and put them in a place and give us a cure for cancer or something, but we're, we're too jealous, I mean, we're too selfish, kill our own children. Look at verse 38, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and their daughters whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. That's this land. Just, just killed them. What were they doing? They were taking their children. You've got to understand what they were doing. They get this, this, this Moloch idol, it was brazen. It was like made out of brass. And they would heat up. It was a furnace. And it would look shaped like a bull. I taught on this before in the church recently. Shaped like a bull. And they would take that baby and they'd put that living baby on top of that, those, those arms that were heated up, scalding. I mean, heated up and burn that child alive. So what they do, according to the testimony, is they would play all this really, really loud music. So the parents wouldn't have to listen to their child scream to death while it's being burned alive cooked 
We've got a lot to answer to God for. And I, I'm here to tell you if you, were, if you have had an abortion, God will forgive you. That's the kind of God we serve. He will forgive you. But you've got to get under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Did I not just say a murderer could get in those doors and God would pass over it if they got behind the blood? If you're an abortionist or you've had an abortion, God will forgive you if you'll get under the blood of Jesus Christ. That's our God. But if you choose to try to stay outside of that blood and go your own way, man, you're on your own. And the, this God, this holy God, I don't know if he's going to forgive you so easy without the blood of Jesus Christ. That's how important it is. One last one. Psalm 72. And I'm, I promise this is it. Psalm 72. I know it's been kind of a tough, a rough teaching, man. I've been raising my voice, getting excited, hop, hooping and hollering and everything. But man, whoever, whoever wrote this question, God bless you. Because <laughs> I love this. I love to study the blood of Jesus Christ. I love to study the blood in the Bible. Look at Psalm 72, 12. For he should deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. That's me. That's some of you. He delivered me when I cried out to Jesus Christ. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. Praise God. Are you needing redemption? Are you needing grace? Are you needing some love? Are you needing some forgiveness? God is the God of the needy. Verse 14. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. And look at this. And precious shall their blood be in his sight. There isn't a drop of your blood that's shed that God is not precious to God when you're one of His. When you belong to Jesus Christ, you can't cut your finger that God doesn't say, that's precious. Every drop of that's precious. Because you're His child now. Wow. It's humbling. Now, next week, Lord willing, and the Lord doesn't come back, and I sure hope He does. <laughs> I hope He does come back, and we'll find out what was going on there what I was talking about earlier. If the Lord don't come back next Wednesday, we'll do part two. And part two is all about Jesus Christ. Get ready. It's going to be a humdinger. I can't wait. I'll show you about why it's so important Jesus Christ be born of a virgin. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your blood, Lord. I thank you that Jesus Christ is your blood. And I thank you, Lord, that you shed it for my sins. Lord, I don't deserve it. I sure don't have any kind of thing I could do to pay you back for it, Lord. And I thank you for that free gift of eternal life I have through Jesus Christ, Lord. And I know that blood redeems me, Lord. I know that blood justifies me, Lord. I know that's the innocent blood, Lord God. And I know that my Lord and Savior is the Passover, Father. And I proudly get behind the blood of Jesus Christ. And I humbly sit back here, Lord. And I, I quiver, Lord, knowing that if I, wasn't on the other side, if I was on the other side of this blood, Lord God, that I'd be doomed and damned to hell. Lord, I pray, Father, somebody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know what side they're on, Lord, don't know if they're inside that door that has the blood, Lord God, that you speak to the heart and tell them, Lord, that you'll save them. They'll just get in that door of Jesus Christ. Thank you for him, Lord. And I pray a blessing on these people who came out tonight, Lord. Give them safe travel mercies home. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you, and until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.